nice and thick with two C's. Lenore? Oh my god. <laughs> Lenore? Oh my god. <laughs> I love you, Lenore. You you get you got that heart on for Lenore. She she's your new waifu, huh? She so is. Oh my god. <laughs> Greeting anime fanatics and anime casuals alike. Welcome back to the newest episode of Imbibe and Anime. It is a pleasure to have you all here today. I am, of course, one of your hosts. My name is Mott, and I am joined. By the ever so lovely, ever so wonderful co-host of mine. Welcome back to the show, Stan. Thank you. It's good to be back. I, I love that intro. You should say that every time. Isn't that basically what I say? Yeah, I'm just reiterating. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you for acknowledging my efforts that I put into introducing our show every single week. <laughs> uh, it's good to be black. I'm, I'm excited for our topic today. That's for sure. <laughs> I love that what you basically just said sounded like a slip of the tongue. So you sounded like you just said it's good to be black. Well, that's not. <laughs> Which yes, that's I'm glad. I, I like being black. That is a true statement. Dude, be proud of your identity. <laughs> I am proud of my heritage. But it's good to be back, too. Well, we've got a great show planned for our listeners this week. We will be talking everything there is to talk about when it comes to Castlevania. Technically not an anime. I will say that now before all of y'all flame us for talking <laughs> about this on an anime podcast. But Castlevania is a show that both Stan and I really love. It does take some inspiration from certain types of cartoons, including some inspiration from Japanese cartoon styles. So... A lot of what we talk about is totally valid when it comes to talking about Castlevania, and I'm excited to do it. But before we get to there, what are you going to be drinking for this discussion this week, Mr. Stan? So uh, instead of bringing out the good old whiskey again, I decided to pick up some beer. And uh, I have here an Elysian Split Shot Stout. <laughs> and I know you'll hate this one, <laughs> but... Uh, it's an espresso milk stout. <laughs> it's nice and thick with two C's. And uh, Sorry, I may have very a little in my mouth. Yeah, I figured as much. <laughs> uh, got a nice coffee accent to it. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's not my favorite, but I like stouts, and so I decided to give this one. Good on you. I'll just judge you from my high horse. <laughs> there it is what about yourself what do, you, what do you got over there huh well i am drinking a belgian wheat beer this week uh the company is called Leffe. well how's your week been up until now <laughs> uh uh just as uh inconvenient as everyone else's i suppose but you know uh, i'm getting by i'm not doing bad myself at all uh that's good to hear uh kind of throws a wrench in all of my job hunting stuff i can relate to that um yeah on happier news uh, i'll get to see my family hang out at home i think it'll do me some good uh, my sister's also going to be home too so everyone will be there uh, oh that's nice just have like a relaxing weekend really and how about yourself? How have you been faring in all of this? 
Uh, it's been interesting. Um, I'm bummed. I mean, I understand, but I am bummed out that ESL from uh, the ESL one tournament from Dota two got canceled or else yeah. I would have been in there in LA with you, which would have been a blast. We could have done like a recording for this podcast from LA. That could have been really fun <laughs> from the stadium. No less dude. That would be awesome. We should. Oh. <laughs> Besides that, um, it's been kind of the best time to be locked indoors for me personally. As of recording right now, in two days, I will be having fucking Animal Crossing. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty freaking stoked for it. I think out of all the things that could be happening right now, a lot of nice things are keeping me preoccupied at home. So all these things are. But on the other side, it also gives me plenty of time to read more Fuka, which I've been enjoying. Um, and I've been starting to watch more Inspector. So yeah, it's been, I've been trying to take advantage of all the little things while at home, trying to get more exercise again. So we'll see. Okay, well, shall we jump right into our main topic? Yeah, let's do it. So spoiler free thoughts on Castlevania. So for any of you who haven't watched a lot of it yet or are thinking about watching it, this is for you. Uh, I absolutely loved it from the first episode onward pretty much uh it it had a nice so for the story taking place after essentially the climax of the series in season two like i thought it was a very nice branching off and continuation of each of the separate storylines or i guess that's sort of what they ended up doing now is they split everyone into their own unique storyline and i really appreciated that some of my i have like some new favorite characters out of this season i i really liked all of the voice acting and obviously the animation is just glorious <laughs> as always like master tier animation here uh and i really enjoyed all of the like new philosophical themes that were brought up in this season. Uh, I, I think just all around, I, I love this season. Fair enough. Um, for me personally, I I also really, really liked it. Um, I, I had the same reaction that you did, that the fact that they were able to continue the story so well, even after this climax at the end of season two, um, was really impressive to me as well. Um, I personally found that some of the new characters are some of the stronger characters in the show, period, which is really awesome to me. Uh, like San Germain, I thought was very fascinating. I really liked him a lot. Um, yeah. Lenore. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lenore. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love you, you, Lenore. You you get you got that hard on for Lenore. She she's your new waifu, huh? She so is. Oh my god. <laughs> I love the like super intelligent, manipulative bitch. Like that is like <laughs> oh yes. Is, is that your taste in women? <laughs> it is. At least in like fantasy women, it is. <laughs> She's so like gung ho. She's like, I know what I fucking want, and I'm gonna manipulate your ass because you're gonna be my pet. 
She she is one of the better characters easily of this oh, new God, season. She's great. Striga and Marana. Um I guess their personalities just aren't as big as Lenore and Carmilla, I think is the best way for me to put it. Because it feels like to me, Carmilla has a very, very big personality. She's extremely ambitious and has, is she like, anytime she's on screen, she's on fucking screen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If this were a play, you would say she has a really strong stage presence. Exactly. Um, yeah. I feel very similarly about Lenore. But when it comes She's to Striga, I sorry, like. Lenore, I feel the same way, but in a subtle way. Yes. Yes, you're right that the way that she presents herself is more subtle and detailed and more manipulative, not like in the spotlight, but she right. doesn't have any less stage presence. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Striga and Marana, though, definitely do. So I definitely criticize their characters because I think they kind of pale in comparison to Lenore and Carmilla. True enough. Um, but I really like a lot of the characters that you get to meet. The judge is interesting to me. Um, that aspect of the plot felt underdeveloped to me. So for for not, for our listeners yeah. who haven't seen Castlevania yet, non-spoiler kind of show explanation for what's happening is the premise of this episode or of this season is that um half of the story is trevor and sypha are in a new town where there is kind of black devilish mischief afoot um and the town leader is called the judge and there's another sect of monks who are like kind of perpetuating this black magic mischief um and the main plot revolves around sypha and um i literally just said his name trevor trevor um sypha and trevor working with the judge and a new character that you get introduced to called san germain um the four of them trying to figure out what's going on um, but there are some side plots that come out and there's a side plot based around basically like what the judge stands for and um, the judge's history and how he controls the town. Um, and I find that that aspect of the side plot, I like that they thought about including it, but it felt underutilized to me. And it felt like it was just kind of randomly thrown in there, in my opinion. I, I can agree to a certain extent. Um, when I looked back through, it, it definitely is underdeveloped. Uh, and they, they th I think they threw it in in part just to sort of change, I guess, non-spoiler version. They, they wanted to change the dynamic of the end of the series this season and like what Fair. people would take away. Uh, from the season uh, and when yeah. I looked back through it they there are references to uh, mysterious things happening in this town to me it felt obvious which is why I think at the end of the show when you get the plot twist that you get at the end of the show I was like well I saw this coming it just kind of feels randomly thrown in here I kind of just don't like this. 
But that's why I'm saying I don't think it was necessarily randomly thrown in there if you saw it coming then. Uh, they were definitely alluding to it throughout the series. Uh, it I might guess have what been I underdeveloped, sure, but they they definitely foreshadowed it. I guess when I mean random, I don't mean that there was a sudden plot event happening that I that didn't make sense. What I think I mean, what I'm trying to say is, it felt like more than anything else, it felt underdeveloped and it felt insignificant. Because if you had taken away that aspect of that if you taken out that side plot from the entire season i would not have felt very different about the show at all it's really important to me that if you add another side plot or add another undertone to a character that if i imagine the show without it it makes a difference and i didn't feel that way i disagree with that sentiment but like i was saying before the I think part of the reason they added it was to change the dynamic of the conclusion of the series. If they took that out of this season, I think the ending would be entirely different, at least for Trevor and Saifa's plot line. Other uh, generalized comments. So there's two other, there are basically three main plots that are, happening simultaneously right we talked a bit about trevor and saifa's adventure um then there's isaac that we're following um, oh, what were your thoughts yeah. about like isaac's plot line how did you feel about that So isaac became my favorite character this season uh i think he had the most compelling and most character development of any of the plot lines and i think there's four plot lines who am I missing besides Alucard then? Hector's plotline with Carmilla and all that. Lenore. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Four right there. Um, I, I guess I was tying that into Isaac's because Isaac's goal is to reach Hector. But you're right that that is a separate story. Yeah, they don't even. I, I think one thing that this season does so well is the fact that none of these, all of these plotlines don't interact with each other at the moment. The individual plot lines are really strong, but uh, getting back to Isaac, though, uh, I think the reason the reason why I really loved him this season is because he seems to be a totally different character than he was in the last season. I totally uh, agree. He all he has a lot of mannerisms that are different. I just really liked the balance they had with Isaac in terms of giving him a lot of philosophical development. They gave him a good blend of uh, really awesome Forge Master fighting and action scenes, and then they slowed him down a lot as well with his character interactions and how that shaped the way he views the world. Okay. Uh, and that I think that part is what I really like most about him, is his worldview has shifted so much since the last season i 100 percent agree with you on that i think also the other thing to add to it is the captain the the main character that he meets that we're introduced to um mm. i won't go into the details of the the, the circumstances that they meet because i don't want to spoil any of the plot but i think the captain is my next favorite new character besides lenore 
Really? I love his view on how he conducts his business. I think the captain is some of the strongest writing in this show, period. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I, I wouldn't say the captain is my favorite, like one of my other favorite characters. Uh, I think he is the perfect catalyst for Isaac, though, just because his own personality almost looks contradictive on the outside because he he engages with Isaac uh, knowing who Isaac is and what he does. And at the same time, he tries to shift Isaac's worldview away from what it was in the second season. And it, it it's a very odd meld of a personality to see like who who you see on the outside is the captain and how he engages with Isaac. That's why I love him so much because I think the captain is this great embodiment of contradictory. Isn't the right word. Cause it somehow all seems like a big, nice it, hole. It makes sense. But it, contradictory is not the right word. You're right. But it is to an extent kind of contradictory because he is accepting of Isaac, but he's also challenging of Isaac. It's yeah, I really love the way that the captain is in general. And I think, I think the role that he plays in the story is wonderfully well thought out and it's uh, really fun for me. I, I, that's, that's why he's my second favorite new character this season. I think my favorite new character was Saint Germain. I can get behind that. He's also uh, very well flushed out and has a lot of great motivations. Like at first I, I wasn't, I didn't care too much about the character uh, they they don't really build him up until the middle of the season. Um, but for someone who has his own side story going on that doesn't necessarily directly impact Trevor or Sypha, it, it's super compelling and sad. I can I can respect that. Um. We kind of talked about this already, but do you want to talk about the Hector and the Carmela sisters plot line a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, this was the second best plot line, um, mostly because I felt like it added a dynamic to the story where you can see where they're starting to go in future seasons. So mm -hmm. you can see where multiple stories start to cross paths. Because Isaac is starting to pursue Hector, uh, which will intercept him with Carmilla and her sisters. Mm -hmm. um, and the groundwork for the ambitions that Carmilla and her sisters have are really projecting where the story is going in the future. And I think it's a very a very interesting path. And I, I like it quite a lot. So to me, I really enjoyed this section as well. And the cherry on top is the fact that Lenore is Bay. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, her and Hector, I think they have one of the most more interesting dynamics in the show. Uh, I know we just talked about Isaac and the captain, but I think uh, their dynamic, uh, not that they have like super philosophical conversations necessarily. Uh, but the they word do about between... vampire culture, right? But that's getting into 
how she's using him and and it, it's more the wordplay that i liked between them and how i agree they talk to each other not what they're saying necessarily i can agree with that but yeah i don't i like this is i have like no criticisms about this plot line at all i was just like that was my favorite i was just like this is great i love this all the way around i'm i'm a little i too am entranced by lenore so <laughs> uh one plot line i do want to sort of criticize is alucard's plot please line. please I let's think... talk about this <laughs> <laughs> i think he had the weakest plot line of by far agreed hands uh, down i was not exactly happy with the new characters that were introduced with him and i i'm forgetting their names sumi uh, and taka sumi and taka or something right yes uh i didn't like those characters when they were first introduced and i don't think they got any meaningful development uh al along with alucard like he does he didn't uh, he i guess he was a different person by the end of this season but he he didn't seem like he was growing as a person by meeting these two people and and like working with them i agree with that sentiment i think some other nitpicks that are really important sumi and taka the voice actors for them i think were the worst voice actors in the whole I show i hated the voice acting it was they, so it was bad. really bad um I think the going off of what you said, um, my biggest problem was a lot of the plot line with Alucard and these two new characters, Sumi and Taka, um, revolved around. So the spoiler-free summary is Sumi and Taka basically are introduced, coming to seek help from Alucard so that he can help teach them. Um, and the the entire developments of Alucard's building of his friendship with both Sumi and Taka revolved around Sumi and Taka's story. And yeah. your, the whole plot line was developed in such a way that your opinion of Sumi and Taka started at A and moved to B. But Alucard himself was just a part of that story. He himself, I didn't feel like changed like you were saying. It felt like the emphasis of the story was different compared to all the other stories that were going on. Like if you want to talk about like Trevor and Sypha, Trevor and Sypha definitely started in state A and moved to state B because of their interaction with the town. Um, if you want to talk uh -huh. about Isaac, very much also the same case. Right, um, right. Hector as well same situation but with alucard he just was like he started out sad he ended up sad it seemed like he was stagnant the entire season i feel like in the past seasons alucard's uh demeanor and the way he was thinking about his duty to like defeat his father like all all of that was being shaped uh, by working with Saifa and Trevor. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of like uh, introspection with him in the last, in the first two seasons, but there wasn't any of that 
contemplation in the same way this season with him, which I didn't like. It seemed like, the, like I think you were sort of saying this, but it seemed like the story was more about Sumi and Taka than it was about Alucard. Yeah, which was a was an issue. I feel like it would have been better. Well, let me say this: I I'd be curious to see if you break up the different four stories based on the amount of screen time they got. I'm pretty sure Alucard's had the least amount of screen time. Um, Isaac's is a close yeah. second. I'm pretty sure Isaac's also didn't have that much screen time. But the difference is with Isaac, there's no new characters besides the captain. And the captain isn't a character that's supposed to be a high impact character. He's a character that's just supposed to be a catalyst for um, Isaac, right? It doesn't matter what the captain's backstory is. It doesn't matter how he came about and what his goals are for the future the captain all that matters is who he is now and how he's challenging isaac yeah um, i would and, also say that the other characters isaac meets on his journey also act as catalysts for his worldview not to the same degree true. as the captain uh, true. but i i do want to say that like the 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 old wise man who gave him the mirror at first uh, true. started to change his viewpoints the other forge master he met the lady forge master also did a similar thing true uh, so there were multiple characters like you said their backstories are irrelevant but they act as a catalyst for him and that's not at all what happened with the dynamic between alucard and sumi and taka yeah exactly and, and that's that's my point right because in alucard's case Sumi and Taka coming into the story didn't serve as a catalyst for Alucard's journey. What they did is they introduced two new characters who were constantly talking about their history, were constantly talking about their past, were constantly talking about their worldview and their goals and their ambitions. So you thought, okay, these are two new characters that are going to be developed. They're going to be really strong. They're going to be a new presence in the show. And then it it ends kind of anticlimactically to an extent um, yeah. without having felt those characters presence very strongly and without the entire focus of that entire story being on Isaac or sorry on um, outcard. So the difference, even though Isaac didn't have a lot of screen time and Alucard didn't have a lot of screen time, I think the difference is all of the screen time in Isaac's case was devoted for advancing Isaac. Yes. And it did not feel that way with Alucard at all. And so at the end of the day, it just came out like a limp noodle without like any true direction in which they're trying to point the story. I will say, I I think they did set it up so that, I don't know if nice way is the right way to say this, but they set it up so that the next, uh, like I'm excited to see the next time Alucard meets Trevor and Sypha, and I'll leave it at that until... Spoilers. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I think that is a plot line they are planning to pursue. But it, it, I do agree. It did feel, it did fall flat this season. Okay. Spoiler warning. Beep, beep, beep. You've been fucking warned. <laughs> um, let's jump right in where we left off. Uh, because I want to talk a little bit more about Takasumi 
Alucard and what you literally just said. I think I'm really excited to see Alucard meet up with Saifa and Trevor and have all of them just be depressed about humanity. Because I think, like, Trevor and Saifa definitely have this, like, experience with the judge now where they're like, was that town even worth fucking trying to save? Like, is it good that the they didn't town was burnt down? Everyone died. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they're coming out of it just totally depressed about humanity and feeling like they fell short of what they were trying to do. And then I think they're going to meet Alucard, who's, who's you know, had just been uh, taken advantage of by Sumi and Taka and now be depressed about humanity with them as well. I f- it almost feels like to me what they're trying to suggest is that Alucard is slowly starting to follow the path of his father and that Saifa yeah. and Trevor are at least able to sympathize with him regarding so that, that perspective. I think that's one of the things that's up in the air the most right now. Once Alucard and Saifa and Trevor all meet, whether or not Trevor and Saifa are going to look at him differently now. Or if they are gonna try and sympathize with him and turn him back to being good, that—that's something I want to see. We How also that... aren't guaranteed that he is actually gonna descend into a more evil perspective. Like that's not guaranteed of Alucard yet. So right, but I think the people who would bring him back are Trevor and Sypha of all people. True, true, uh, and all we're left with is him acting like his father, essentially true so uh, i'm curious to see how it all shapes down i think that's that's sort of what i was getting at with how they wanted to end the season with the uh judges plot line revealed mm. uh, they, they wanted to leave a bad taste in your mouth they, they like flipped over like the typical nice ending that everyone could have had or like, or at least that like Alucard and Trevor and Sypha could have had, and they flipped it on its head, and they're all depressed about humanity now. And it's I... like, it's like flying in the face of the past two seasons because the evil was always Dracula kind of thing, and the vampires versus the world. I think I understand what you're saying. I. And I can relate to what you're saying that so going back to the judge and my complaints about that side story of him murdering little children, um, (laughs) it was very obvious that they were not going to be happy with humanity no matter what happened in that town. Um, Because I think from the first time we met the judge, I didn't feel good about the judge. From the first time we met Sala, I didn't feel good about Sala. The first time, I think the only one that I was actually legitimately surprised by was Sanjamain. Because I think I, I feel like I felt like I saw the judge coming from a mile out. I saw Sala coming from a mile out. Sanjamain is the only one that actually happily surprised me. And so I think with the story writing with Trevor and Saifa's plotline, it was so plainfully obvious from day one. Well, so I had a, I had a similar inclination about the judge when they first introduced him. But the more that he talked to Trevor and Sypha and how much he believes in his duty to the town 
Uh, and especially when he is talking with Trevor out in the forest when they coincidentally meet. Like, it, it felt like he had a compassionate side and that he really believes in taking care of the town. And so that's why I thought it was flipped on its head because they inch, they build up this character that you're supposed to uh, think is empathetic camaraderie towards. Yeah. And they flip that on its head and it turns out he's an evil man. I think to me that writing was unconvincing because I never felt that way towards the judge ever. I think when he was talking to Trevor in the woods and he was at the lake and stuff like that, every way that he was talking to me made it feel clear that what he felt was a historical family tie to the institution of the town and that he didn't give a shit about the people in it. Um, because he's obviously trying to avoid them by going to the lake all the time because he feels like they're an annoyance. He hates children. That was pretty obvious for a while. He hates the fact that people don't obey his rules and he's a very stringent dude. That was made pretty clear from the beginning. And I think the interaction with the kid was like, he's obviously hates that kid and he's putting on a face. And I think the voice actor did a really good job at staying true to what the judge is supposed to be. But I think the way that it was written made it clear that the judge was never going to be a good guy in any sense to me personally. And, and maybe that's just Mm. like, maybe it's partially the way that I binged it because I know you watched it over a more spread out period of time than I did. Mm -hmm. But I never was convinced by what you're talking about and feeling some sort of camaraderie with him. Yeah. I guess that's just one thing we disagree on then. Cause I, I, I was starting to like the judge by the end of the season until mm-hmm. they revealed this. Fair enough. Uh, he, he started working with Trevor and Sypha a lot more. He, he was a lot more amiable towards them by the end of the season. And I thought, like, yeah, they're on the same side, but it turns out that not really. Trevor and Sypha are just sort of alone Mm. again. Um, I will say I did appreciate that storyline quite a bit just because of the focus. They they narrowed down the focus of the storyline to this one village, and it wasn't... The storyline wasn't mm-hmm. some like grand Wallachias being taken over. It, they focused it onto a very specific location, uh, which I appreciated. It, it felt very, it felt like a very different tone and pace than the previous seasons when they're traveling from city to city. I agree with that. I agree with that a lot. Um, I did also appreciate the fact that you got to get a good feel for that town's atmosphere very well. Um, post, post um, Dracula. Like you got to, because of the fact that they focused on one individual town, you got to get an understanding for how the general person, how their life might be post Dracula. Yeah, it was a very grassroots perspective. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The show. It's a very good way to put it. I did like, in general, all the shifts in tones that they made this season very much. So, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so with, I think the only other thing to comment for me on this in a spoiler uh, context is Sanja Main's obsession with the doorway or whatever that was called. I can't really remember. The infinite corridor. Infinite corridor. There we go. Um, to me, I really liked how Sanja Main obviously I actually I like this about the judge too. The four of them were I liked the way that they all became allies of convenience. Yes. The, the way that that plot was developed I think was uh very well done and you felt the impact of their being allies of convenience quite a lot. Uh and I I liked the way that that was written. Yeah, it it felt very natural. You could tell that each of them had their different motivations going into it, but it just sort of worked that they had to cooperate with each other. Yeah. Uh, And I guess more with Saint-Germain, I, like I said, he he became my new favorite character, uh, aside from Isaac, but... My, like my favorite episode was when they revealed exactly how he felt about trying to find his lost love. And in episode six, I could, I was like nearly tearing up uh, when you see him wake up after his nightmare and he's just talking to himself and you could really feel the longing and, uh, the sadness and the fact that he's been doing this for a large portion of his lifetime. Uh, and mm-hmm. you could really feel the obsession that he had. Uh, I think the voice actor really came across with him, especially. I agree. Um, I, I was out of curiosity. I just looked up who the voice actor was for San Germain, because I think the voice actor for San Germain was, one of my favorite voice actors this season. But so with Saint Germain, uh, his character, I I really like how they built up his character uh, because it's very independent from Trevor and Sypha and the judge. Uh, Yep. And at first you're like, Oh, who is this prick? Like he's, he's just this like city dude. Who's got his own agenda kind of thing. Uh, But like, the more you learn about him, like the more pure a character he seems to me. Yeah. Um, like he, he's not, he, he seems like a prick, but he's not an asshole to people necessarily. Like yeah. he just, he, he feels like he has an idea of what he wants to do and he'll, do almost anything to achieve it but at the same time he doesn't want to uh he doesn't want collateral damage with anything like he's not a person i think for me the best way to describe him is surprisingly honest yes like you he seems deceitful he seems like he's trying to hide his motives but at the end of the day, he's kind of surprisingly honest about what he wants to do. 
And as long as him divulging his motives doesn't interfere with his goal, he'll do it. Yeah. Like he's, he's just wants to, he wants to fucking get to the infinite corridor and connect with his partner ASAP. And it's a surprisingly simple ambition. And that's all he wants to do. He doesn't, he doesn't have any other malicious intent. He's just like, this is what I want. I'm going to just try and figure out how to do this best way I can. And I really just want this to succeed. And it's surprisingly honest and pure. Yeah. I, I know it's not like a, a surprise for characters to be tortured in this series or like have tortured pasts, but uh, for an addition to, to that number, I think they did a really good job of giving him a very compelling backstory uh, and then making him influential in this plot line here. I agree. I totally agree. Okay, can we talk about an episode that I've been really, really, really wanting to talk about and hear your opinion on? Sure. Who's the second line? to last episode, all plot lines, the fucking sex episode. <laughs> can we talk about this? Sure. <laughs> I'm like, I'm torn about episode nine in particular because like, there's so much just like, sex and gore for so long <laughs> that all of episode nine is is hector fucking lenore sumi and taka fucking alucard and uh isaac killing a bunch of people <laughs> and trevor and sypha killing a bunch of demons and people killing people yeah <laughs> and it's just it's just that it's that's all it is for a good like 20 minutes i thought it was beautiful <laughs> it was interesting to me because like it was i understand having like fighting sequences last that long and i understand that this is the climax of every single story so they made like all the climaxes intertwined in more ways than but, one in more ways than one yeah sure um uh, people are climaxing in many different ways um but like i was surprised that i liked episode nine as much as i did because normally to me when you make such a long sequence of just like sex scenes between alucard and the tw and the siblings and and lenore and hector like when you had them interspersed with all the fighting for so long, I thought I was going to get bored, but then I wasn't. And I'm, I'm kind of happily surprised by that. And I still don't totally understand it. So you, you get where I'm coming from, right? Yeah. So I think a certain dynamic where, uh, you have two very opposing events, I guess is the word uh and yeah they're they're flipping back and forth between them and i think they they want you to have this sense of dread from each of the scenes uh because you know what's 
sort of happening with Hector and Lenore. Like that's like the moment where she's about to betray him essentially. And you can see that coming when she's telling him like, tell me you're going to be my slave or whatever she says. Tell me you're mine. Right. And you, you can feel the anticipation with Alucard and the siblings because uh there's just like no way that ends happily like you you could feel something coming on once you see all this other action with isaac and trevor and them Uh, that's true there's like no way that this episode ends in any good way for any of the plot lines and i think they really built that juxtaposition well um they're they're just doing it in two like completely different ways one is overt and the other is uh uh, covert is the opposite you get what i mean blatant and one is hidden right uh but you can see all of the plot lines converging at a negative outcome and i think that's why it works so well it was really well done i actually think episode nine despite having the least amount of content was maybe the best episode. I was like very surprised at the fact that I just like saw nothing happen basically for a long period of time and actually really enjoyed it. I think another reason why it worked so well was because they had the same song going in the background for all four plot lines. That's so actually you, a really good point. The music so design you, and the sound design in this show was actually pretty yeah, so outstanding. It was, like, it was very heightened uh like it's music that was in effects that were getting your heart racing uh sort of inducing a sense of suspense and dread Mm -hmm. uh, for all the plot lines so that's why i felt like the outcome was going to be the same for all four plot lines fair one thing to point out which is interesting to me out of all the plot lines, Isaac's wasn't actually a negative ending. Saint Germain's wasn't negative either. Uh, okay, because Saint Germain's not a main character. Uh, okay, fine. I'm just saying you're you're not wrong. But out of <laughs> what I'm saying, it's like a good ending. <laughs> out of the four main storylines and the main characters that we're following in the four main storylines, Alucard got fucked. Hector got fucked. Um, Trevor and Sypha got depressed. Not necessarily fucked, over. but... I, I wouldn't say they got screwed over, but everything that they were trying to do ended up failing. Right. Um, but Isaac was triumphant. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about Isaac now. So I guess just overarching comments I wanted to make was the just the fact that all of these people he's meeting is giving him hope for humanity Mm. without him even knowing it. Cause every time uh, he, he meets these people, the next group of people are trying to kill him. And he's like, Oh, I made the mistake again. And that happens like three times or two, like two or three times where he's like, uh, I, I made yeah. this mistake again that I shouldn't be trusting humans and that type of thing. It happens yeah. after he meets the mirror guy. It happens after he gets off the boat with the captain. Um, so I guess, well, I guess that's two times. Um, you can kind of argue 
to an extent, he kind of feels that way about the the fem- the old female forge master. Although I don't think he feels like he made a mistake there. No, I, I don't think he feels. I think that was another person that he enjoyed his contact with. Is my point. He and he and. He enjoyed get being given a gift by the wise man. He enjoyed his conversation with the captain, and he enjoyed fe- meeting a fellow forge master that wasn't like hostile to him. Yeah, uh, she actually helped him uh, or gave him information at least. Yeah, um, and I, I think this is why his storyline was the most compelling. Like he's no longer the person who's solely devoted to this being that is Dracula. He's trying to find a new purpose for himself now that Dracula's gone. Uh, He no longer feels the same way about God and religion. He no longer flogs himself, Mm -hmm. which is something he points out uh, that, or the captain actually points that out to him through their conversation. And he didn't even realize it. True. Um, and then his conversation with one of the demons he brings back in episode six. So episode six was my favorite episode just because mm. we see so much development through conversation with St. Germain and Isaac. Yeah, you get also a lot of understanding of... Huh. The universe as well as Castlevania. Yeah, it's the first time we hear a perspective from someone that was raised from the dead. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, true. Uh, I thought that conversation was incredibly interesting. Uh, and I kept watching it over and over. Because he's, he's learning about... I, I'm still trying to contemplate what Isaac learned from that conversation because he didn't uh, he knew that he's bringing souls from the past back into the corpse of the corpses of bodies and that's how his that's him doing his forge master thing he's never thought about the actual souls that are being brought back until this moment yeah i mean i guess the only other thing that he learned that you didn't quite yet bring up was the fact that it also gave him another perspective on why humans are terrible because the story yeah that the old scholar from Alexandria had that Athens, Athens, sorry, not Alexandria. Yeah. Um, was a very negative reflection on humanity. Um, yeah. And- the fact that Christians were the ones that seemingly sent him to hell or that type of thing. Yeah. The fact that he doesn't really understand why he went to hell. He felt like he had a moral and just life and, the whole idea that you don't really know what right and wrong are supposed to be and who decides right and wrong. And the fact that other people can put you in the wrong without having done anything wrong yourself Mm -hmm. is, uh, I think another reason for Isaac to be dubious of humanity. Yeah. it, It also just got me thinking about in this world, it feels like, hell is the only place for the afterlife in like, castlevania I know, yeah. huh 
In Castlevania, you mean, right? In Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to... I thought you were going to try and say some sort of life extrapolation philosophy. Uh, I, was no, like, no. I hope that's I'm not true. I'm not, I, I, I'm not trying <laughs> to extrapolate to, uh, my viewpoints on heaven and hell now. It, in this world, though, it, it really seems like hell is where everyone is destined to go. Like, no one mm-hmm. is pure and absolute. Like, it only took a single lie for that scholar to go to hell. Like they're true. Like he did almost everything right up until that point, And it wasn't even his fault. And he's like, and he says it himself. He's Isaac was like, surely thinking about God can't be a sin. And he's like, the, the fly dude was like, and yet here I am kind of thing and it's true it, it gave a very dark outlook on the world here it was also a really interesting i think that episode in particular was a very interesting commentary that the show makes on religion in general because there are yes. questions in that episode that the show raises on for example who decides right from wrong on the entire concept in Christianity that, I mean, if you, if you go back to like the most extreme conservative forms of Catholicism, everyone is a sinner by definition, almost. It is impossible not to sin, which is why people hold Jesus to such high extreme because he is the one that will relieve them of their sins. And he has died for you to be to heaven because you are a sinner and he has sacrificed himself so that despite having sinned, you can be forgiven. It's one interpretation of Christianity that many people follow. Um, And the show does kind of take some commentary on that. It is, it is fascinating how much they portray like, well, if that's true, well, what if everyone is just a sinner and that's just what it is? everyone just going to be in hell yeah well that that's what i'm wondering is like is there even a way to go to heaven in this world like yeah in the show of castlevania heaven doesn't seem to exist at all yeah and they they allude to the fact that god does exist but he's never been present or made any influence on the events that happen in the show. Yeah. Uh, And just, I mean, just the fact that Dracula's wife was in hell, like what did she do wrong? It's like, she loved Lucifer. No, no. Lucifer is the devil. What am I saying? Yeah. What? (laughs) She's, she's not a witch, Marty. Okay. God. But she was burned at the stake. She must be a witch. Yeah, and but that that's what I'm wondering. Is like, is hell the only place for people to go in the afterlife in this world? Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm curious to see if Castlevania explores the religion of the universe even further. That would be really cool to see. I also suspect there's a chance that dracula could be brought back just because he was shown 
to be in hell and that the door to hell can be opened. I would hope that this show is not going to go in the direction of Dracula is revived and has to be defeated again. If, if that is where this show goes, I will be very disappointed. Um, because I, it is a cliche just to be like, well, we defeated the big baddie. Oh, but the big baddie returns. No, we have to defeat him again. If they if they returned <laughs> Dracula, but then they it wasn't like they just had to defeat Dracula again, I could accept that. But I think that's... If they did that, I think that's where they would go. I, I also don't want them to actually bring him back. I'm just nor do I that idea out there. Um, nor do I. Just, just an idea to throw out there. Uh, if they develop the world of hell more. Um, One thing that I do find very promising and very exciting is we don't have a clear cut goal of the show yet, right? The thing that's super promising about Castlevania that I really enjoy is the fact that now that Dracula's defeated, Dracula's in hell, and now that we have this new season that came out with new goals for each character and these four different plot lines that some are intermingled, some are not. We don't really know where they're going to go, which I think is always really promising because it means there's a lot of flexibility and creativity that the writers have. True. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very excited to see how these are branching out. Um, and then coming back. Yeah. Uh, one thing... I, I kind of want to backtrack on, and this is something you had mentioned before uh, about St. Germain is him being a time traveler. Ah, yeah. We didn't mention that on this podcast, but I had some headcanon right after you and I watched this uh, season where yeah. I thought he, it's alluded that he might be a time traveler. I am more on board with him being a time traveler. And this is, also partly because I watched videos on how they were relating it to the games and his character. He's an actual character in the games who is a time traveler. <gasps> what? Oh, um, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, but oh, in oh. the show, <laughs> he's not quite a time traveler as of yet. Um, that we know sort of what they were getting at. Um, I think he will somehow be able to come back into the real world. I would hate it if he's just gone from the show now. I think they have to continue his storyline. They also were saying that the place that he and his partner ended up in is like some weird world that's the same place as the belmont library and i i'm sort of wondering if that theory is gonna pan out that would be cool if there's some sort of infinite portal within the belmont hold or something because that place is huge like they haven't they haven't really delved into like the minutiae of all the things that are in the Belmont hold, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is a way to access the infinite corridor from there. Cause Trevor does mention that one of his aunts encountered the infinite corridor 
at one point, and it could have been in the Belmont Library. You know, that's actually a really interesting idea. Um, I can see, thinking back through it, some evidence to point to that. So the one reason why I think Sanjamin might be a time traveler is the fact that a he was thrown out of the uh what's it called again infinite corridor infinite corridor yeah he was thrown out of the infinite corridor right that's at least what his dream like his flashback in his dream suggests so yeah he's to me that suggests twice before i think yes and least. so that suggests that he left the infinite portal not where he entered it um, we know by fact what he has stated explicitly that it does go to different times in different places. Yes. Uh, and different dimensions like hell, for example. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing on top of that is they keep on mentioning in the show that there is ancient knowledge uh, of technologies like, for example, light bulbs and so mm. on and so forth that some people remember and some people don't. Vampires, for example, retained the knowledge on how to create light bulbs because mm -hmm. they haven't forgotten it like humanity has. Right. Um, and the place that his partner is trapped in, um, it, it had a lot of gears. It had a lot of mechanical symbolism to it. So that's technologically advanced to me. Uh, which to me suggests that she is in a place where they are aware of technology, which either is future or past, not present. Sure. So uh, to me, it suggests that she is at least in a different time from where he is currently, um, which I think is an easier thing to convince someone of than that he is from a different time. Um, but I think no matter what, that opens the possibility that he may be time traveling. And I think bringing up the fact that it might be related to the Belmont bookshelf uh, library makes sense to me too, because the Belmont library also has a, a good amount of relics from ancient technologies in it, as well as the fact that there were a lot of like rectangular shapes and boxes that his partner was standing on and that that world that she's in, it has, which could be reminiscent of bookshelves. Yeah, and there were a lot of staircases as well. A lot of staircases as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I can I can see the connection. I I would be really excited to see if San Germain does have some sort of relationship with the Belmonts, greater than just Trevor. Um, yeah, I I don't necessarily think he'll have a direct relationship with the Belmonts. I think the place that his partner happened to be trapped in is a sort of weird alternate Belmont library universe. Like it, it's not, it's obviously sure. not like the actual Belmont hold itself, yeah. uh, but it could be like a parallel version of the Belmont library. It's also entirely possible that the Belmont library isn't solely in the universe of Castlevania. That's why I Belmont's... think it would be cool if there was an infinite corridor under it somewhere. Yeah, the Belmonts are such a fascinating enigma in Castlevania. I, I want to know so much more about them. 
I want a prequel series so badly of the Belmonts. Oh God. Oh God. To, I would love to see the Belmonts in their heyday. I think never before have I wanted a spin-off series, but I might agree with you here. Like being able to see Trevor's parents in action and that type of thing. Uh, and then seeing the downfall, I'm still wondering how all of them ended up being killed if they they're were some of the people. best fighters in the world. Well, if the entire country is against a single family, they're going to die off. Okay, well, like I don't know exactly how many people came and burned down their house. Fair. Slash, did they not see it coming? If there were that many people, none of them were able to get away. How did Trevor get away in the first place? Did someone True. help him get away? Like how 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 did any of this happen? Fair. If you were giving Castlevania an L score, what would you give it and why? <laughs> um <laughs> despite uh, our gripes with Alucard's plot line, I'm still going to give this a 10 out of 10. <laughs> okay. I love this show so much. Uh, the, I think they did just I like, yes, Alucard's plotline was lackluster, but I don't think it detracted from how I felt about the series as a whole. I think it had so much else going for it mm-hmm. uh, in terms of characters. Like they, they just introduced new characters so well on this series uh, they from do season two to season three like the fact that isaac is my favorite character now like sypha is still bay as great as lenore is uh but yeah so like characters plot the the sound score the animation my god i drool over that True. shit we didn't really uh, talk about it that much but the animation is really good that's an understatement um, I, I think it just has everything going for it. They set up for the next season really well. Uh, there was just so much development in this season. I, I I absolutely loved it. I'm giving it a fucking 10 out of 10. Okay. Like have to watch kind of thing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I think for me, I give it a 9 out of 10. Um, I think everything we said about Alucard's plotline being lackluster is totally legitimate. Um, I think on top of that, this this season was more predictable for me. Um, I think a lot of what happened I saw coming from a mile away, and I don't think I'm the only one who feels that way. Um, I think uh, predictable also in a way that was detrimental, because sometimes you know what's going to happen, but it's not actually detrimental to the plot. Uh, like for example between Lenore and Hector it was obvious she was going to betray him but I don't think that was a detriment to the plot but I thought like for example the judge's character was very easy to read and that was a detriment to the plot in my opinion um, and and then everything that we said about Alucard's plot line I think is still 100% legitimate and I just didn't like it as much um, and if Alucard's plotline were better, I think episode nine would have been even better because then that scene between Sumi, Taka, and Alucard would have been more engaging when they finally betrayed Alucard. It does everything that you said positive about it. I 100% agree with you on that. 
Um, so for me, it's a nine out of ten. Fair enough. Can't disagree with that. So with that, uh, if any of you have comments about how you felt about Castlevania Season 3, please let us know. Uh, like and subscribe if you like this content that we are putting out. We would love to hear your feedback. You can reach us on Twitter at Anime. You can reach us on our Gmail, imbibeandanime at gmail.com. With that, we now need to go watch Somali in the Forest Spirit. Yeah. So we will be right back with our thoughts on the newest episode of Somali in the Forest Spirit. See you then. And we're back. We just finished watching Somali and the Forest Spirit. I must say, it's the show's temperament has changed, I think, for the better. What are what are your initial reactions on what we just watched, Stan? So I, I've got mixed feelings on this episode. Uh, I think it is going in the right direction now, and they showed some things that have needed to be explained to the audience uh but i wasn't entirely happy with the execution of everything um okay so it's definitely better than the previous episodes we saw uh the the last couple episodes were pretty disappointing i remember uh, and I think this is definitely a step in the right direction. I think they're setting up for the end of the season conflict, um, which is nice to see, although it's not quite the conflict I wanted. Because mm. um, there's only two episodes left, and I presume this is going to take up the last two episodes. Yes, I would assume so as well. That's fair. Um I mean, I introduced us coming back by saying, you know, I think it has shifted a change in tone for the better. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I mean by that is up until now, I mean, we know that Somali still has plot armor at least as thick, if not thicker than the whole of the Titanic. Um, (laughs) But normally when there's a threat to Somali, it's it feels insignificant but i think the biggest thing for me with this episode that i really am enthusiastic about is we've always been kind of um i guess disappointed with how much the fact that somali is a human influences the plot line right we don't see for example the fact that she's a human really influence a lot of um issues when it comes to um her health except for the one time she got sick um we don't see it really influence her diet we don't really see um it influence a lot of her interactions with people right but now we have the first instance of an outsider recognizing her as a human 
her human relationship with Agalm as her father is being discussed and introduced and explained a lot more. And we see that it is going to be uh, very relevant to the fact that they have this relationship with the two demons that um, are also caring and accepting of Somali uh, and know that she's a human. And I think the fact that Somali is human is becoming far more central towards the plot, which is definitely a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Yes, I, I agree with all, all of the things you said there. Uh... I think when I say I wasn't happy with the execution, uh, first first off, it was the flashback to Somali and Gollum meeting. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't exactly happy with how they handled it. I feel like they brushed over why Somali all of a sudden has an attachment to Gollum somehow. Uh, all, yeah. all they say is, or Gollum, all he says is maybe it was a self-preservation mechanism, and then they, he leaves it at that. Uh, they don't really go into... There was nothing in the flashback that showed a, an a, special, like a special rapport that led Somali to feel like she should be as close to Gollum as she was. It, it seemed so abrupt. I, I would have liked to see her personality have been different in the past, and then her interacting with Gollum would change it to the way she is now. But from what they showed us, she was basically the same person when she was chained up that she is now. She was just as... Uh, she thought the forest was just as wondrous as she did when she was chained up as she does now. She, Her personality seems largely the same, and it feels like she didn't go undergo any, develop, any growth or development by meeting Gollum. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, Somali has been Somali for basically the all of time. It's basically what this episode has told us, which is very unrealistic. Right. The Personally, the biggest problem I have with, with this aspect of it as well is it kind of trivializes her relationship with Gollum to an extent because you know that we've, we've seen that Gollum hasn't always... I mean, he's always been Gollum, but he's been a little different in the past than he is now. He was a lot more calculating, a lot more emotionless when he first met Somali. Right. And that's normal, right? A normal creature changes based on its interactions with its surroundings, right? Uh -huh. Humans change based on their relationships with people. Even if you ever have had a pet, like maybe you adopted a rescue animal and it was super afraid of everything around it at first because it's all new and scary and frightening then over time it recognizes that you feed it and you take care of it and, go, and it grows to love you. Yeah. And that's a normal thing for any creature, any human, any animal to go through. And Somali is not that, which kind of, I think trivializes her relationship with Gollum because it means that the relationship with Gollum is not important enough between when they first met and now to have actually changed who she is. Yeah. that That's what I would have wanted to see. And they set it up, for that to happen because she you saw the way she looked when she was just sitting at that tree like she like the hope Depressed. was just gone from her face uh, it's like the second she saw Gollum the hope was there 
Yeah, and it didn't really it just didn't make sense. Like we yeah. she knows where she just came from. Uh somehow they I also didn't like the fact that they brushed over that where she actually was from, the slave trading thing. Like they they had one shot where they viewed the all the dead humans and some of the uh, monsters that were there, and that was it. Um, I, I just I thought it was very lackluster, and the fact that she's the same person in the past as she is now defeats the purpose of her relationship with Gollum. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. There's, I think this show does a really good job in a lot of different ways, but one thing that the show I think is does a poor job of is Somali is kind of a special being kind of like Jesus, like where it's like Somali is untouchable. Somali will always be safe. Somali will always be guarded by Gollum. Somali has always been Somali how she is and she will always be that way. Somali is like a constant in the show. And that's not what you want to see out of a show like this. This show is about character development. This show is about change and the journey that incites that change. And the fact that she is just perpetually herself is very disappointing. Yeah. It, it just really doesn't make sense to me why they chose to do that. Um, it, it also defeats the purpose of humans being an endangered like i guess an endangered species who can be hunted at any moment like i feel like that kind of mentality escapes her way too often the yeah. fact that she has to hide herself doesn't make her apprehensive about anything even though that's like a constant thing she's always doing yeah it's strange i i agree with you i think the the writing is flawed in that way. Yeah. Um, on a more positive note, um, I am glad to see that there is this change in focus of this of Gollum's perspective. Um, Gollum has always been on the idea of like, I have limited amount of time. I need to find humans. I need to find humans. And through his talk with um, uh, what's his name? Shibuzu? Something like that, yeah. Um, well, through his talk with the little demon, um, he's kind of changed. They're hinting that it's time to change perspective from trying to find humans and just make sure that Somali is safe and happy and to try and be with her as long as possible. So maybe instead of searching for humans, they should search for a way to prolong his life. Yeah, that's something I'm still unsure how I feel about. Um, I like it personally because it I think it is a logical change in the plot line because I think if we left the story where they finally find humans and Somalia is safe with humans, I think it defeats the purpose of the idea that they've been perpetuating in the show of humans and grotesques, as the humans call them, um, getting along. Right, I think the purpose of the show has been leaning towards 
Somali can live in the quote-unquote grotesque society. She can eventually find a way to live amongst these other species. Yeah, my only thing about that idea is I I want there to be a point where Somali doesn't have to hide herself. And I don't know if she'll ever be able to do that safely amongst grotesque. Like, she would have to isolate herself with the demon people. Um, I don't know if that's... Then... I don't know if that's entirely true um, because it's been hinted that more than just those people are accepting of Somali. Uh, and yeah, it's been hinted within... that humans can be accepted by other species, like the witch, for example. Were humans accepted there? They yeah, they didn't accept the they didn't accept the witch, but the witch didn't wasn't fearful of them or wanting to hunt them. That whole story of the witch in the past when they first discovered humans. Oh, oh. Okay. Um I mean, I guess the witch society might be one of the only places where she could freely be human, but like every town they've gone to I feel like you would not want her to just be out in the open. That that's my thing. Like every town has a, has that danger. I think you're right, but I think the point that I'm trying to make is you know, it right now that is the state of affairs, but the show has been putting little breadcrumbs down hinting that there is a path to where Somali might find acceptance more generally and that there might still be individuals that pose her harm, but this story could change towards building a society where there's cohabitation. Uh, I don't know how much I can get on board with that. Like, who, who are you thinking of that, like, what society are you talking about i think my point is the fact that there are every single character that we've run into before uh this moment in time whether it's kikila whether it's um uzoi um there are many characters that show uh that they've form a bond with somali whether they know she's human or not and I think this show is is trying to lean towards a direction of Somali has this ability or social strength to be able to connect with people. And she may eventually find a way to find a group of people that she can live with and have it be incremental steps towards acceptance of each other. Like, imagine what would have happened if Kikila found out that Somali was a human. I mean... My thing is, like, I, I don't think any of the people you mentioned would ever harm her if they found out she was human. But I also don't think that Somali is going to change the world. Like, that seems a little too grandiose for her. You're not uh, wrong, but at the same time, I think this show might end up going that way. Because to be, to be, completely honest this show kind of like has somali as a deity to an extent how do you mean like i mean like somali's perfect there's nothing wrong with somali ever sure in the context of the show yeah right 
like like and that's that's the way that you describe like prophets i i mean i do think she is able to form these connections easily with various other like beings and creatures and stuff i i don't think she's ever gonna get to the point where she's not being hunted though I mean, we just found out in this episode, like just because the granny person was like being all nice to her doesn't mean that she's not going to turn around immediately and want to eat her. I, I don't True. I don't think that's where they're trying to go with this. Fair enough. I mean, I guess I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree, because for me personally, that's the state of affairs currently. But I imagine if this is like, for example, a three season anime by the end of season three. That's where we're going to end up. Um, but Possibly, but that's why I think she would have to be semi-isolated with the people that care about her. I don't think she'll ever be able to just like roam the world and be safe. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a far-out speculation, so this is not really... It is pretty far out. Terribly <laughs> worth talking about for a long period of time. But I think <laughs> my point is for this episode, they're starting to shift the focus of finding humans um, to being focusing on just keeping Somali safe and um, finding a way for Somali and Gollum to be with each other as long as possible. And I do think the show will shift towards that way more and more. Uh, and I kind of like that because, I mean, Somali and Gollum are the reason why you watch this show. And right. if their purpose is to just try and stay together, you're just going to root for them the entire time. So I don't I don't see that as a bad shift in tone. I see that as a good shift in tone. And it comes by kind of naturally. I can see myself enjoying that shift. Uh, I think it would depend on the execution of it. I agree. I I don't want them to handle it like they did the flashback, uh, and Fair. just turn everything into something trivial. Um, so that's why I'm unsure how I feel about it at the moment. That's fair. Um, I will say one thing. I'm going to defend Somali and the Forest Spirit a little bit from what you just said. Um, the one thing I do think is fair and I do appreciate that they did, is they gave us a flashback where we learned an infinitesimal little bit about of information, but it, there's still some mystery about it. And I don't I don't want to know everything about Somali's background immediately. Like, if, if this is going to be a multi-season anime, we shouldn't know everything about Somali right now anyway. I can agree with that sentiment. So I'm, I'm glad that they did do a flashback. I agree with your criticism of the fact that it feels unrealistic that Somali has never been any different than she is now. Um, and it is a little unrealistic for her to just like not know anything about her past when she's talking with Gollum. But maybe at the time she was scared and didn't want to talk about it or has been traumatized, but like they didn't, they didn't portray that in this episode. So these are all speculations that they should have portrayed if they were going to go that route. Mm -hmm. um so i agree with your criticisms of the flashback but i definitely think that at the end of this episode i am glad that there's still some mystery about her history and it should be that way 
Uh, I, I think I could get on board with that. I... It, it, again, it would all depend on what they choose to do with it. If they leave it like this, then at the end of the day, it's a bad like flashback. And Agreed. There's no re- there's no motivation for anything. There's no reason why all of it happened. I agree. Uh, it, it that's why I have mixed feelings about it because they they didn't set it up nicely. The other thing I would point out is. With Gollum, there's a lot of intrigue about the fact that we don't know a lot about Gollum society. And with Somali, there's a lot of intrigue about the fact that we don't know anything about her history and how where she came from. And I think if this episode had answered those questions, Somali's character would be far less interesting. Because Somali is a pretty straightforward character. The only thing that keeps her interesting are those mysteries. I think Gollum's character is less straightforward. So if we learned more about Gollum society, at least there's still something about Gollum left. But um, with Somali, I, I think it is important that there has to be a good amount of mystery around her still, or else her character would be very boring very quickly. I, I disagree with that. I, I think that if we had learned about her past, there would still be a large amount of mystery about humans in general, which is why I like the plot line to find humans and figure out what the deal is with them in this world. Uh, that's, that's part fair. of the reason why the, the witches plot line was so disappointing because we were supposed to learn about what happened to humans and where they are. And none mm-hmm. of that happened. And so I was sort of hoping that we would learn at least about Somali's past because it's not necessarily related to the overall state of humanity in this world. That's a good point. Um, I I agree with what you said. Um, you bring up a very valid point. Can I shift gears a little bit? Uh, one thing before, yeah. uh, something I wanted to mention about Gollum, and this is sort of a, a minor gripe in my mind, uh, but I I wish he talked a little bit more about his shift in mentality of becoming a dad, because there was one moment, I don't remember how many episodes ago, where he mentioned, well, maybe it was the previous episode, uh, when he was talking to the demon where he was like before before I was just like this manager of the forest and I watched over everything and once I met Somali I became an individual and I wanted him to espouse mm. on that ideology that he developed when he's when he was talking to the demon this episode but he he didn't really bring that up again um in his description of meeting Somali. And I, I, I really wish they would develop that idea a little further. I also uh, agree with that sentiment. I, because, uh, because he, in this episode, he's like, the reason I took her on is because I want to see her smile more and that type of thing. Like, I, I wish they talked a little bit more about his individuality I agree with that sentiment. I think the big thing missing with that is 
the show does a little bit too much when they talk about their past. Um, they do a little bit too much of tell instead of show. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I also have the same feeling that you do. It feels to me a little bit like Gollum is just saying that he had this switch in perspective. Um, but when it comes to the flashback, you're right that they maybe start to demonstrate it a little bit, but it's definitely not illustrated enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when it comes to justifying a lot of the history of the universe of Somali and the Forest Spirit, they do a lot of tell and not show. Uh, which is disappointing to me as well. I I definitely feel like that is underutilized and underdeveloped as well. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a good point. I agree with you there. All right. So switching gears. Yeah, yeah. Animation. Okay, okay. This was I, I was happy about this. Uh, the I know we've seen this forest before, but like it just looks so beautiful. That waterfall scene, oh my god. Dude, the sunset? Can we can we it acknowledge so... the coloring on that oh, sunset scene in the forest? It looks so beautiful. I oh I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was so happy with the animation this episode. Even the simplicity of the snow on the hut also looked really beautiful snow mm-hmm. setting. Yes. Yes, very much so. They've definitely gone back to their roots of like, we know how to fucking make a gorgeous setting and you better believe it. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, bravo. Like, it, it looked absolutely beautiful. The shading, the coloring, it was everything. The design of the plants looks super interesting. Like, I think the only criticism I have is the the character model the innkeeper's wife to me was a a little simplistic i think mostly when it comes to the coloring um they all have very colorful very intricate character designs and the innkeeper's wife this episode that we're introduced to is she's just pink with white like feather type whiskers and a slightly different pinkish purple fingering on her tip the tips of her fingers and i think it almost feels out of place her character design in the universe of somali in the four spirit Mm. to me personally it felt like there's this it felt a little unextravagant for the somali feel but I, I definitely felt disappointed by the innkeeper's wife in terms of her uh, physical animation. I definitely like her character so far, though, quite a lot. That elder witch, I thought, was far more fascinating and interesting in character design than this innkeeper's wife. And to a degree, uh, that elder witch had the same amount of plot impact. I I think... The witch person theoretically had more impact, um, although it fell flat. But fair, maybe that's why I feel like I can compare them um, because it fell flat. Like I, 
yes, the innkeeper is important as a catalyst for conflict. Um, but I feel like the the old witch lady was more a uh, not necessarily a, a maybe a catalyst for the plot at that point. Uh, I think she was definitely more important. She was the one telling the story. Uh, it, it was sort of all about her that episode. She was the only one talking. Fair episode. Uh, I am curious. Uh, well, so if you want to get into a little bit Hit predictions cannon? for the next episode, right? Let's do it. Um, I, I'm curious how the next episode's going to play out. I imagine they're going to have to separate Gollum from Somali, which shouldn't be too difficult, in all honesty. Uh, one thing I am concerned about is action scenes, which they do not do well here. No. Um, and it seems like there's going to be some sort of fight happening to defend Somali. They have not been good at any type of like animating quick movement, period. Yeah. Uh, th their whole thing is still images. <laughs> so they really are just all about still images far more so than JC staff. Even like if you compared like <laughs> JC staff's handling of one punch man, it's better than any type of action sequence in Somali and the forest spirit, which is not really a complaint about the show because the show isn't about action. Whereas one punch man is, but um, the studio is starlight, by the way, I just looked it up. Or uh, satellite, sorry, not starlight. Uh, yeah, I was just looking it up. I am a little concerned that they are going to go into a plot line that is high tension, high risk in a thug town, which should be focused on fighting. Um, I am worried about the animation there too as well. Yeah, and I'm hoping that's not the focus of the next episode or two. I agree, especially for the conclusion of the story. Like I, I, I I'm just worried about how they're going to handle this. Um. So Mal scores. You ready for this? What do you What are you thinking on a natural scale on Mal? What would you give this episode? Oh man, this is tough. Uh, like I said before, I had I had very mixed feelings about this episode. I think, like we've said before. The stuff that happened in this episode needed to happen. Uh, I think that's going back to the good pacing that we've seen from this season mm -hmm. earlier. Um, we needed we needed some flashback. It's something we've been talking about for a couple episodes now, uh, and we needed her being human to start driving the plot, which is also happening. I think that's very good uh, step in the right direction execution wise i i just was not happy though um i think i'm gonna have to give it the most average score a seven seven out of ten <laughs> we're really bad at providing conflict in our discussion um, <laughs> are you also gonna give it a seven i'm also gonna give it a seven it is it it got the plot going in a way that it needed to uh, I think the one thing that is standout is there are some shifts in tone, which I did appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you're right in saying the way that they executed it was in some ways subpar. 
Um, so yeah, for me, it's also a seven. So with that anticlimactic agreement of an average score, <laughs> that will be it for our discussion this week on Imbibe and Anime. We'd be curious to hear what you all have to say about Somali in the Forest Spirit, uh, what you think about learning about Somali's past. It's been a pleasure talking with you all this week. We'd love to have you back next week. We look forward to talking with you again then. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for cracking open a fresh episode of Imbibing Anime. Thanks for listening and join us next week. Cheers to y'all. Adios. <laughs>